Are you a procrastinator or a reforming procrastinator? Well, this podcast is too important to put off till later. Let's dive right into overcoming procrastination together on Fully Live. This is Justin Westmoreland, and you're listening to the Fully Alive podcast where we integrate physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual relational health so that we can become a fully alive community together. Well, it's spring break. If you're listening to this live, it is your spring break most likely. And on the Fully Live podcast, we want to tackle the topic of pre, uh, sorry, not predestination, but procrastination. Procrastination. Now, why procrastination? If you've been following along in sequence, you'll note that we spent three episodes on body image. And so when I'm thinking about topics, I'm thinking about things that I'm talking about, that I'm dealing with, with, with people in our church or people in the gym uh, that I've experienced on in-campus ministry. And so as we want to create a canon of fully alive material for you and a community of people who are living lives that are fully alive and encouraging one another to do that uh, and, and worshiping God through, through their lives every day and getting more out of life. Hey, if we're doing that, we got to deal with the real issues, the real things that are, that are stopping us from living fully alive. And so when you think about body image, how you feel about your body, your unhealthy obsessions with your body, we've talked a little bit about those things. Now those are heart issues, those are worship issues. Uh, There's deeper problems that we're encountering, and so there's a spectrum of, you know, mild to extreme body obsession, and that's going to impact what we do with our lives. And then if we don't feel like we're doing well in those things, we might feel shame, and that might lead us to other places. So, so you got to think about how you're doing mentally, spiritually, physically, and relationally. And that's our big, big quest here: is to see how just every little thing we do really integrates into the whole of our whole lives and our health. So, as I'm thinking about, I want to give you tips on how to get better, how to how to how to transform your life, and I want to share my story and and my best practices and. And I, as someone who's been there and really had transformations physically and spiritually, uh, I want to show you uh, what I've learned, but I do want to deal with some prerequisites. And, and one of the things that I'm still dealing with that really impacts me and my progress is procrastination. Procrastination. Now, what is procrastination? Those of you who don't know, I mean, we all know what that is, basically, but I want to give you a definition for it. I believe it's putting things off that we find undesirable. It's things that we need to do, but things that we find undesirable uh, at the time. So we want to put it off to the last minute, and then we're really under pressure. We buckle down and get it done. You know, that's how, that's how I feel like procrastination is so much a part of our lives. And so right now we're in spring break. If you are on that academic schedule and you have this, what I call an unjustified vacation in the middle of the school year, uh, why, is it, why do we feel like it's a need for us? Well, we've been busting it the last couple days trying to get through and now we're spring broke. We gotta we gotta recover from that. We have to figure out how to how to survive after pushing ourselves to the limit for that small amount of time when we've been wasting time and doing not maybe not even things that are bad, but things that are great, but we haven't been doing what we've been called to do. So have you been short with your spouse? That might be a a um, an evidence that you have been a victim of procrastination, not just a victim but an active participant in that. You know, we're not all victims here of our culture, but we are rebels uh, embracing 
a destructive way of life. And so we're, we're, we're just as culpable uh, for every one of our actions. So have you been short with your spouse, annoyed with your roommate, uh, you got no time for your kids, and even, even if you have kids and you're with them, you're distant, you're distracted, you're, you're, you're checking work, you're checking your phone. Uh, well, I want to give you my proven method today to get the most out of spring break and, and get through. You got to deal, deal with your procrastination. So, all right, so are you weary? Are you tired? Do you feel uh, ashamed because you haven't got as much done? Are you feeling sorry for yourself? Well, when I was in campus ministry for 10 years on two different campuses, I encountered something that was a little bit new for me. Uh, repeatedly, I would meet students who were dealing with panic attacks, panic, anxiety, panic attacks. It was alarming the rate at which I would encounter students who seemed to be panicking about all kinds of things. And different, different things would set them off. And so I think there's a maybe a, a lot of things underneath that, but we just sort of uncritically adopt the ways of life around us and we don't question them. And, and here's what we all think, is we all think that, you know, I'm the most qualified person to set my course. You know, I know what's best for me. Nobody should restrict me or tell me what to do. And, and so if we don't listen to others, if we don't have any kind of correction and we just uncritically adopt what we um, are you know uh, swimming in and we're and we're panicking and we're anxious and we're ashamed and we're we're walking around uh, discouraged all the time what do we expect we expect we expect the, the, the insanity is is keep on doing the same thing and, and expecting a different result it, we got to ask hard questions here about like is the cycle of our work and rest really helping us or is it harming us I want to I want you to ask that question today and see just where you are on this thing. So when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he had a great statement that I think is very underrated. And he said, it's not what goes in a person that makes him or her unclean, but it's what comes out of a person, right? It's not, it's not what you put in, you know, like the food you eat necessarily, that would be as a, as a you know, or, or the practices you, you, you indulge in, but it's kind of the, the why behind them and what those things are producing. You know, so, so and so I, when I think about our design, I think we're we're not necessarily running around today trying to catch an image of something that we want to be. That's not the that's not what we ought to be doing. It's that we ought to be producing good fruit. What what is our life doing actually? What is it producing? Uh, because a lot of us, it seems like our, our lives are really just producing anxiety. And if that's you, I'm sorry, and I want to help. Okay, so for you guys who are non-Western listeners, okay, and we probably have a few of those out there because things getting out there. By the way, before I go further, if you're liking this thing, go ahead and hit like, share it, get the word out there because we're a, a beginning podcast. We're on episode eight right now, fully live. So, okay, so what is spring break, non-Western listeners who don't have this theme in your, in your school year? Well, spring break is, is a, what I call an unjustified vacation in the middle of the school year. And that's, I know that's spoken like a true workaholic, right? But seriously. Families budget big money or they rack up credit card debt trying to make spring break a special thing for the family. Uh, Walt Disney World's booming, Colorado's booming, uh, the airlines are very happy right now. But uh, you got to ask, why is spring break a thing? Why do we think we need spring break? And I think the, the answer 
probably lies at MTV's advent. You know, MTV uh, really started hyping up spring break when I was a kid to where even a knucklehead in Arkansas thought he or she needed to, to get down to the beach during this one week of the year and, and get away from it all. You know, and so like, which is, again, it's totally unjustified because it's not like we're wearing ourselves out here, uh, but we feel like we got to make pilgrimage to the beach, engage in risky or adventurous behavior. And I tell you what, if anything, the fitness industry has ought to have stake in this because it really benefits them. And that's just something I want to highlight as far as our procrastination problem is people really have a lot invested in you feeling dissatisfied and you feeling overworked because it is big business. You know, the, the, the fitness industry loves that we feel like we got to get in shape for this spring break thing, you know. And the church industry, meanwhile, is getting hammered, okay. So what a culture obsessed with getting away, whether it be a spring break or a micro break throughout the year, you know, which means, you know, spending every possible moment at the lake or whatever the next, whatever your break uh, place is, is that local neighborhoods, and this is our relational component of the, of, the, of the story today, local neighborhoods and local church communities have a hard time gelling. You know, church usually becomes just another event you attend and not a part of your life. And so you, you, you attend this event, church is an event, which you attend when you have nothing better to do. You know, rather than church becoming a life-giving community, it becomes another thing I consume. And so savvy cult church savvy savvy church culture has actually realized this and has sought to create that missing community component right and it's the creation of a thing called a small group now a small group for those of you who are outside of the church culture is smaller than a large group it's not one person it, it involves five to twelve people usually or maybe even more you know depending on the size of your church or the way it's set up but it's this sort of trying for the people within the big community. And what these people are doing is they're, they're, they're buying into a particular brand of how to do church, which is I need to get in my small group. And so your small group really becomes your functional church. You know, and so you have leaders within it, you have assignments you do together, you have service you do together, you meet and you, and you do more with your small group than probably the bigger group. And so, you know, it's like the real world. So these arbitrary strangers have dropped into this church, and then they've all been picked to live together in this small group, and then hilarity ensues. And so that's that's kind of the way church culture has really tried to to meet that need, is that we're all focused on this crazy work and rest schedule, and we procrastinate, and then we don't have time for things like church, and those things get pushed to the fringes. And so we feel like we got to get people involved, and so small groups are really the answer, the best answer we have, but I think there's a better way. Uh, and it involves an actual real work and rest rhythm. Working on the task you've been given and then resting from it for one full day. Now that's a, that's a radical idea, like actually doing the work that we're called to do. Now our culture uh, you know, of work and rest inevitably actually leads to the, the breakdown of small groups, right? Small groups, whenever I was at Camp Smith for 10 years, every time we'd start them, they'd start off strong, but then they'd fall apart. Why? Because we procrastinate. When the going gets tough, when the deadlines meet, you know, hit, what's the first thing to get pushed out? Optional activities like small group. What really does, at the end of the day, win is the things I've been putting off that I actually have been called to do, which is to make the grade in the class, to write the paper, 
to get the work done for my job. You know, like, these are the things that, that need to be done that I'm actually called to do. And so if you're a college student listening, you need to realize that your number one priority every day is that you're called to be a student. This is your calling. You're called to learn the task you've been given. And if you're, if you're in a job, whatever the job is, your calling by God is that job. Like, this is your calling. Okay, so, so you've got to do the work that you've been called to do. Now, Jesus, what's fascinating about Jesus, when he, was, when he walked this earth, he would always say, I've come to do the work which my Father gave me. I've come to do the things that he does and that he wants me to do. He had this radical view of his life is directly given from the Father. And that, that was very, I think, very helpful. And he's the only one who's ever done this perfectly, mind you. None of us are perfect on doing the calling we're called to do and not procrastinating, right? But he never procrastinated. He did the things that were most necessary and he was called to do. And you know what? At the end of his life, when he's hanging on a cross, he's providing for his mother. He's saying, hey, John, take care of my mother. He's forgiving people. He's done everything he needs to do, so he's got time and margin for, for serving others. Isn't that interesting? He's actually accomplished his work. And he end, even one of the last things he says is, it is finished. He's finished his job. And then he has that margin to actually serve people. We talked last week about how getting in shape and, and getting a big and stronger body is useful for serving others, not our own interests, but serving others. And that's the same way with getting our work done. We can get our work done so that we can have a heart and soul and spirit to give to other people so that our kids aren't annoying us, so that our spouse isn't annoying us, so we've got these nagging things we've got to do that we've been putting off. No, if we get our work done, we can move towards serving. So there's a good end here. There's good fruit that actually goes with getting our work done. You know, the pressure uh, of getting overcommitted people to commit to doing undesirable tasks until the last minute is huge. We feel stressed, so we, we run from the things like family time, you know, towards leisure, uh, away from worship and prayer and serving our neighbors, even meeting and knowing our neighbors because we've got deadlines and we didn't get started on them earlier. Well, people who don't have their health in order, mo most of us here, um, treat that just like we do our work. <laughs> Everything's integrated, right? We cram for our work. We cram for our exams. How do we do health? We cram. We gotta get ready for spring break, right? We gotta get the beach bod, okay? We gotta, we, we feel like we gotta really put a lot of just crazy work in at the end of the end of the time because we haven't maintained it. We haven't kept the rhythm of life that we needed to have. And so this is our biggest problem is we do everything in this destructive, dysfunctional way. But why? Why are we like this? Social media. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, we, uh, we listen to social media, we scroll through mindlessly, and it's, and it's giving us imaging, it's giving us messaging all the time. You know what? Our government is one of the causes of this too. Our government actually has a plan for our lives. You know, Corporations have a plan for our lives. Our culture has a plan for our lives. You know, these all these institutions have an interest in not our heart and our well-being, but our money, our resources. We're part of something bigger, and they need us. And they're telling us how we should spend our time and our money. They are. And if you don't realize that, you're deceived. It's true 
it's absolutely true that they're affecting you because it's all related, but is it affecting you in the most profoundly beneficial way? Or is it negative? Certainly a lot of both, probably. You're probably benefiting from some of these institutions, but are they harming you more than helping you? Is there such a thing as a best way for your life? And I think a lot of us don't even know that. We haven't actually settled that. Uh, how would one know what the best way is for your life? How would someone know what leads to freedom in life and being fully alive, as we like to call it? Should you just do what makes you happy? Well, how's that working out for us? Just doing what I want to do, you know, and then cramming for things or, or not, not dealing with my health until the last minute. How is that working? We've got to get a better system. You know, what, what, what I'm doing is actually uh, trying to be happy as a result of the programming of my culture. That I've, been th I've been taught to think this is what I need, this is what I have to do. And you know what? My culture is not sitting around thinking about what's best for Justin Westmoreland, is it? It's not thinking about what's best for you, is it? Does it? You know, do we really believe that that pop musician writing the song that we're singing and playing in our car on our headphones really had our best interest at heart when he or she wrote that? The movie producer who produced that really had your best interest at heart. The media who's telling what to buy really had your best interest at heart. Your, that your government officials are actually staying up late worried about how to make your life better. No chance. No chance at all. That's not what keeps you up at night, is it? Your social media, everything you post, is not trying to help everyone else out there. It's trying to help you. And that's exactly what everyone else is doing. You know, what if we, we, what if we could let someone else besides all those institutions that aren't actually for us influence us? Someone who's actually for us. And so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta answer this. You gotta have, you gotta have an answer to what is the best for you, and it's gotta transcend just the cultural stuff that you're swimming in. It's gotta transcend their idea of the good life that's actually controlling you to your detriment. How is it working out for us? We're overstressed. We have anxiety problems. We have depression problems. We have opioid crises. We've got a lot of baggage that we're carrying around because we don't know how to live a good work-life balance. Where do we get that? We gotta listen. We gotta listen to others. We gotta have another voice that speaks from, a, from another world actually to help us to interpret this world. You know, when I think about my life, what I've learned from just not learning and not listening is if it's not due tomorrow, I've got plenty of time. If it's due tomorrow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if it's crunch time, I'm going to neglect every other good thing and every responsibility, and I'm going to buckle down and get it done. And I usually do, within reason, you know, and usually with some good quality because I have natural gifts. So maybe that's you. You have more gifts than I do, and you're able to make it work. Maybe, maybe when you finish the big job, you reward yourself. That's our cycle. You know, we, we put it off, we buckle down, and then reward ourselves. And how's that working out for us? Stressed. So things we got to do. we got to chronicle what we're doing. Like thoughtfully chronicle what you're doing. Use one of the many apps on your phone that you don't use and stop playing Candy Crush, whatever you're doing. Like actually use the, the productivity thing uh, that you have. Chronicle what you're doing. Make notes. Have data of what you're doing. And you might realize, hey, I'm doing a lot of good stuff. Absolutely great things that are necessary. But am I doing the thing that I'm called to do right now? That Jesus says, hey, it's finished. That's preposterous. It's preposterous that he said it's finished because his work is not finished. Now, okay, the Trinity's work was not finished when he died on the cross. There's a lot of redemption that still needed to be done. But you know what? That's the Holy Spirit's work. You know, he, he, did his, he did his role and he could sit down at the end of the day, sit down in heaven and say, I finished my job. Now he's got another, another role to play now 
as the one who's interceding for us, as the one who's for us, as the one who's reigning, as the one who, who is making known His will. He's doing that. However, His work in His humiliation is over for our sake. He was born in the law, lived a life in our place, sacrificed Himself for us, for our redemption, to die and die for our sins for forgiveness that we can have eternal life. He's already done that, and now that is being applied. So getting through your task list, the most important thing, the calling is very important. Think about what you're doing. Um, you know, there's a, a verse, and I, I got this from a guy named Walter Henniger, and I'm going to post notes to this on the show notes. But Walter Henniger had a $3 little pamphlet called Procrastination, the First Steps. And I, I procrastination, just look it up, Pro, Procrastination, Walter Henniger, it's in the notes. And he made the point when he was looking at 2 Thessalonians 3.11, there's a verse that mentions busybodies, and he looked that up, and I was like, this is exactly right. He said, uh, it's such people, uh, it's not that they don't work, it's that they work around work. And this is exactly what we are. Busybodies is the theme. We're busy, but we're not doing the work we're called to do. And so we've got to realize, I've got to be doing the work that God called me to do, or, else, or I'm doing someone else's work, and that's why I feel anxious. Unless I'm doing those things, I'm going to end up doing all-nighters. And why? Because there's a lot of heart issues there too. I'm worried I'm going to, uh, someone's going to judge me for not getting the work done. It's fear of others. It's anxiety. What are they going to think about me? It's my pleasure-seeking idolatry. Now, I've been taught that's what I need. I need more pleasure. I need more uh, escapes or I'm not going to be okay. You know? That's not what God called me to do. He called me to work six days and rest one day. He told me to actually get one day of rest in. God's for leisure. He's for rest, but he's also for hard work. If we're, if we're working around what we're called to do, we're never going to feel like we can rest. And we're never going to be able to take that, that time off. A great example is Chick-fil-A. I know you guys are like probably tired of hearing about Chick-fil-A and how awesome they are, but it is their pleasure to serve you. And they do it six days a week well, and they rest one full day. It's a great model for us, isn't it? So a list of... Um, of excuses we might make to not change today is we might think, well, I'll get to it Monday. You know, I'll get to it, you know, when my spouse changes, my boss changes, my family situation changes. No. And you might make excuses like, oh, I'd be better at this if it wasn't for this thing. You know, hey, there's no reason to put this off till tomorrow. Start right now. Take some time today and start working on this. Is that, and, and some of you, I mean, probably think just like me that, well, I can't do this. I can't change. You know, well, then what we're doing there is we're limiting God. We're limiting God. Now, here's how we, here's how we do change. We've got to start repenting. We've got to get over our, ourselves and go to God and ask for help. That's what repentance is. You know, repentance is not just, it's not just changing from the bad stuff to the good stuff, but it's going to God in our failure. It's going to God and asking for help. That's the endeavoring after new obedience. It's not just self-reliantly saying, oh, I did this bad thing, now I'm going to do a good thing. No, when repentance, we're going to God and saying, hey, I've messed up and I need your help. We have to repent so that we can produce the good fruit. And now listen to this. Self-control is something we're longing for here. We're longing to get over procrastination. How do we get over that? Self-control. Well, then you got to ask the question, how do I get self-control? Well, you know what? The Bible says that only a Christian can have self-control. Meaning that you're not controlled uh, by your idolatry or you know you may be a very disciplined person but you're not fully alive to experience life and joy and peace you've got to be in communion with God I was walking through my office the other day and 
and, and cleaning out things. And I had a great little note that I'd made after a conversation with my friends Carlton Wynn. And Carlton's a professor up at a seminary in Philadelphia. And after, after I, I have conversations with people, sometimes I write down, hey, what are we talking about? And he said, what we're made for, Justin, is unbreakable fellowship with God. And I thought that was so profound. Unbreakable fellowship with God. And you know what? None of us right now are experiencing that the way we ought to. None of us. Absolutely nobody. And with that, there's a lot of brokenness. A lot of heart issues because we really don't feel like we are what we ought to be. What do we, that's why we're doing what we're doing. We are, we are absolutely disoriented and we feel a little bit abandoned because we don't feel that connection to God. We feel a little bit disconnected from each other because we don't have that sweet fellowship with God. Everything we're carrying around in us and the destructive patterns and looking to the world to help us, it's a mess. We're a mess because we don't have intimate fellowship with God. We've got to get back to that. We've got to go to God. We've got to ask Him for help and not keep doing self-reformation projects. Self-salvation, self-cleansing, self-help, okay? Self-help is such a dead end. I can't help myself, but with God working in me progressively to transform me, I can start producing good fruit. It's gonna be imperfect, It's not, and I need more work on procrastination right now. I'm not there. Some areas are better than others in my life, but I've got a lot of work to do, and so do you. So I'm gonna recommend three things, actually four things. Let me, let me back up. Four things. First, a book, Getting Things Done by David Allen. You can get it really cheap online. It's a classic on productivity. Now, I'll tell you this. I was a guy, when I started doing campus ministry, I was on the way to get orientation for this job, and a, a, group, of my, a group of my colleagues and I were, were driving through a city of a, a, another guy who did our job. We, we sat down and asked him, hey, what do we need to do to do well in this job? And he says, hey, get this book, Getting Things Done by David Allen. And I got it, and you know what? It took me nine years to read it. You cannot escape the irony of that. Nine years to get around to reading a book called Getting Things Done. To my detriment, do not be me. Learn from my mistake and go read that book right now. It won't take you that long. And you can use it right now to start implementing systems to help you get better. Now, I want to recommend an electronic resource that I've used to take David Allen's principles and, and employ them in a, in a digital age, you know, an age, age of iPhones that are actually hurting us probably as much as they're helping us too. Well, it's called a website called, uh, or an app, or web, it's everything, it's integrated. It's called Nirvana HQ, Nirvana HQ. If you can get Nirvana HQ and start fiddling around with that, you can employ a lot of the principles into uh, your life to improve. And I can talk more about that and ask me questions. Email us at fullyalivepodcast at gmail.com. Let's talk about it. And uh, we're going to read scripture together. We're going to read scripture. You need to go to a church that, that teaches through the Bible to hear what God has to say to you. Not just the, one, the things you want to hear. But let someone else pastor you and lead you through the Word of God, not just opinions, but taking you through the Word of God together and listening. Here's what God has to say. So you want a church that's going to preach through books of the Bible, not just topical sermons, not just what's on this pastor's heart or what he or she feels led to talk about that day, but you need to go to a corporate church every week, each and every week, and hear the Word of God over the course of your life and let the Holy Spirit work through that. You need to do that. And you know what? 
you need to get up earlier. <laughs> I'm going to keep giving you giving suggestions, things that work for me. When I feel like I've got a deadline, I cannot do it by staying up late. I'm not in the prime of my physical condition anymore. I'm almost 40. You know, at, at 27, men are in the, on the peak of their physical condition. I was able to have much longer hours. I have to get rest. I have to go to bed. And then I wake up early and get things done. If you get to bed at 9 o'clock and you wake up at 4, that's 7 hours of sleep. And you can get a ton done before you actually have to go to work. It's amazing. So just a few things you can do. Final boost for you today on procrastination. Let someone from outside talk to you. Let God, who actually has your best interest at heart, speak with you and help you to transform your life. Now we know that God says in Philippians 1, 6 that he will finish every good work that he began. He's actively involved in your life. If, if you're with God, if, if you're repenting your sin and trusting Jesus, he's for you and he's going to finish it. He doesn't put anything he doesn't put anything off. He always does it. He finishes. It. Okay. We're going to turn to Psalm 139. If you're sitting and you've got access to God's word, you click it on your phone, open your Bible. We're going to read Psalm 139 together and just comment on it briefly. And, and I think this is this is a great model of how to how to start when we fail. We go to God's word. So here it is. Psalm 139, a Psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. So isn't that encouraging to know that somebody knows you like that? Someone knows all there is to know about you. And that is really unknowable for us. We've never known anyone like that. Only God knows that. That is too high for us to, to comprehend. So in verse 6 he says, that's too wonderful for me. God is really too wonderful for us. That's what the first six verses say. Let's look at the next uh, few verses, 7 through 12. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. So high or low, I can't get away. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, even in the depths of the ocean. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me by night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So no matter where I go, I cannot get outside of God's care. In the dark moments of procrastination and urgency, can't run from His care. He's always there. Uh, we're going to read 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your books were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. My course of life already known. He knows me. He made me. Uh, he's written the story. And he I hasn't always written the story the way I want it to go. But he's got the story, and it's coming to, it's coming to pass. 
it's scripted and he knows exactly where you are in it now he hasn't fallen asleep he is absolutely with you right now and he's developing you to be fully alive okay 17 through 18 how precious to me are your thoughts O God how vast is the sum of them if I would count them they are more than the sand I awake and I'm still with you all right so how are you going to start to worship God this? How are you going to start to, to say, how precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God? Well, you've got to read them. You've got to listen to them. You cannot come up with that kind of a statement out of your heart. How precious are your thoughts, O oh God? No. Usually what I'm saying is how precious are my thoughts? How precious are my, are my needs right now? No, I can't get that perspective unless it comes from heaven right through the scriptures. Okay, and then finally, uh, oh that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. And look at that. That is like, hey, that's not something that's popular. That's not something I'm going to be like, oh man, I don't like anything that's against God or takes his name in vain. No. No, we actually don't. We want to embrace things that take God's name in vain, His enemies, and and, and we want to love the world and not and not love God. We want to. So 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 I need the I need a right approach to my existence because what's normal seeks to suppress God and rebel against Him, and I need I need to be able to say those kind of things in an appropriate way. And finally, I said fine, but this is actually the final two verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Okay, this is the, this is the meat of it. This is a prayer we could pray every day. Search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, and see if there's any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So you got to say, look, God, help me to know if there's anything that's going to lead me toward grief, or a grievous way. Okay, you know my heart, lead me away from that, and lead me into the faithful way, the way that you love, and the way it's going to going to actually help me to be fully alive. If we can't pray that prayer, why are we expecting we're going to have some kind of wonderful life ahead of us? We've got a wonderful week ahead of us, some kind of great spring break. It's going to really meet our needs. No, it's not. Um, we're just going to keep doing the same things that are destroying us over and over again unless we go to God repenting and asking for His help. And this is always available for us. This is the good news. So guys, if you want to live a fully alive life, if you want to uh, overcome procrastination. If you want to have a great spring break, you got to start out with asking God's help. And you got to listen. And it's great to take all the good practices we talked about, Nirvana HQ, getting things done, Henniger's um, um, little article called Procrastination and the First Steps. you got to do those things, but until you've got the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to produce the, the actual fruit of self-control. Go back, go back and read Galatians 5. And see how that works. So as we're thinking about this, uh, I am happy to help. Please email us at fullyalivepodcast at gmail.com. Comment below. Ask questions. Tell us what you want to hear because I'm going to keep on giving you the content that you need and will actually help you and will not lead you under the same path of destruction here at Fully Live Podcast. And so remember, Every time we meet together, we want, to, we want to remind ourselves that we're made to live fully alive and built to worship the living one. Y'all have a great spring break. God bless.